This episode of Let's Meet is made possible by Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey, a contemporary take on a classic American frontier food, and mmm, it's delicious. Stake your claim at 1201 Broadway in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. Phone number 513-381-2666. Website boomtownbiscuitsandwhiskey.com. Hello. Let's meet. Hi. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Nice to meet you. Hey, Let's meet. hey, bro. Hi. Hello. In the second episode of Let's Meet, part two of three, Let's Michael and Tim you. don't get a $10 allowance. PJ is going to pickle it. Michael loves biscuits. Tommy gets bit by a rattlesnake. And Tim makes his first decision. <laughs> Welcome back to the Let's Meet podcast as we continue to meet PJ Newman, proprietor of Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey in beautiful downtown Cincinnati. PJ, tell us how you first got into the culinary arts. My first job was 14 years old. I made $4.25 an hour. I actually just drove past uh, the original bakery. I worked at Butterkiss Bakery in Price Hill. I just drove past recently. It's completely, it's gone. Yeah. Level, just a parking lot. And I made $4.25 an hour for this guy, Walt Grunewald. And his two sons worked for him. Walt was a drunk, and he used to keep MGD 24-ounce beers in his file. The bottom file cabinet was just for MGD. Yeah. And, um... Of course. Yeah, that's where they go. And they smoked cigs, and they drank beers, and they baked. Yeah. And they were just some of the coolest cats I'd ever met. <laughs> and Walt was old. Walt shouldn't have been working anymore. All right. He shuffled. He was a drunk. He made mistakes. And my job was to clean up their mistakes. Yeah. $4.25 an hour dishwasher. I mean, this was a trashy bakery. Yeah. I used the same bench scraper on the bench top as I did on the floor. Ooh, no. You know what I mean? The type All of... Right. Uh, then it's closed down. You know, that 25-quart right. <laughs> Hobart mixer that, that they use for icing is actually only a 12-quart because of how much icing is built up on the outside. Uh-huh. You know, they just haven't cleaned it. Yeah, because you, you can't get the water hot enough this is to cla- get it off the sides. This is classic old school rustic bakery, right? I like rustic. That sounds better than <laughs> should Disgusting. be boarded up. You're right. It I was, see oxidized metal. It was, it was, I saw the problems from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and it was my first introduction to like being like real restaurant nightmare. Yeah. Uh, it was my job. And if I wanted to do anything outside of life required my parents didn't give us like we got a ten dollar a week allowance yeah and that was like extra if we wanted to you were rich by right me. i mean yeah yeah <laughs> did you get a ten dollar allowance no thank you <laughs> okay i didn't still i didn't uh, even ask great i mean like there it is so we i thought i think i'm blue collar working at working class here i am oh they were telling me i was not working dude and now i hear i know i'm affluent right yeah <laughs> Oh, you come from that Price Hill money. Yeah, that's that Price Hill money, you know. <laughs> so I think what happened is, is um, as I got older and I worked in the industry, I never left the industry. I went from Butterkiss Bakery to Skyline Chili. I went from Skyline Chili to Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've made my tour through a lot of corporate restaurants and then made myself and discovered my kind of love for independent restaurant ownership and uh, the capabilities of real food, slow food, and how you can create uh, tailored experiences for people that make them leave feeling like their hard-earned money is well spent. Yeah. We ate out so rarely when I was growing up that I know how much it meant to my parents to take us out. Yeah. So my goal as a restaurateur is to earn people's hard-earned money 
and not rip them off and mm-hmm. cook real food and provide the highest quality of hospitality standards because people have been getting stroked for so many years. Right. Agreed. And it's upsetting. Yeah. yeah. It's upsetting that people have been paying for fake food and poor hospitality standards for yeah. so long. Well, one thing I can say that I'll speak to for sure about you in particular is that my um, my experiences in the uh, the Cincinnati culinary world and 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 we guys you don't get on the New York Times list of fifty places to visit in 2018 if you don't have something good going on. So when when I've been to these restaurants and these bars and experienced these things, when I think about the best experiences that I've had, there are more than a handful, but some of those specific experiences have been with you and because of you. And and that's also like it's a testament to not only what you believe and, and when you're talking about this now, it's it's you're conveying it like it's it's not it's not a front. It's a real thing. It's who you are, um, which I appreciate and love for sure. But it's also a testament not from just your personal who you are, but the way you train when I've seen you in other environments, when you have trained employees who are working under your management they that comes across through them as well that care and that passion and that desire to make an experience comes through in them so congratulations for being who you are which is a weird thing to say because people don't focus on who you are as much as who people pretend to be you know what i'm saying yeah like it's it's easy tim you know to pretend to give a shit but to actually do (laughs) to do a shit comes across well, thank, uh, dude, thank you. That's a, that's like the highest compliment you've ever paid me. You've, I, I didn't know that you felt that and, way. And it's the last. And I don't. That's great. <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna relish that thing. I'm gonna pickle it. I'm gonna can it. I'm gonna hold on to it. What other puns do you? Have? I'm gonna pull it out. I'm gonna pasteurize it. What else? What do you want? Um, but but it I really, mean it. It's but I mean the, it. It's the truth, though. I tried to get out of the industry. I went to school. Boo. I got a finance degree. Boo. I'm a very objective thinker. I'm a very math and science oriented person. Actually, as I was growing up, you know, I was kind of told in a certain manner by social norms and rules that I wasn't creative. Mm-hmm. And I would never be creative. And you may as well just give up. Your handwriting sucks and you're a shitty drawer. Yeah. So you're not good. Yeah. You can't be creative. But your mathematical skills are incredible. So just do that. You'll be fine. Right. Right. So here I am, you know, raised in this cookie-cutter world of sheep, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where social norms have short-shaped, you know, our thoughts on what we need to be and how we need to act, and I could go on for hours. Yeah. So I got, so I'm like, shit, I can't, I can't work in a restaurant industry. People come up and say, like, so what do you do for, like, what's your real job? Right. They ask questions like that, they right? Really, and they mean they it. They really yeah. do. When they walk into a restaurant, they say, what's your real job? Right. So, I don't want to be that guy. So, I'm like, shit, I guess I got to go to school. That's what they told me to do. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to get a finance degree and I work as a hedge fund analyst. How'd you like that? Um, it had its assets and its liabilities. You're doing <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. Yes, it had its assets and its liabilities. How, how long did you do that? I didn't last very long. I was in two years total before I decided that I was just going to just bag it all and go all in on food and beverage. And it the writing was on the wall for me at the time. Spent my time in college. I'm an, I'm a, uh, an intellect and in nature. 
I'm motivated most by intellectual knowledge, like mm-hmm. money, whatever, prowess, whatever. Like I just want to learn about things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, I got very interested in the markets and how investments work in the business world and how can I turn a dollar into two dollars and how can I turn two into ten and ten into forty and it was a curiosity of mine. Yeah. And we all at this table know none of that was covered in primary nor secondary no. education. No. no. Especially so in West Tennessee. They never Not <laughs> even personal. Right. Yeah, like writing checks. Nothing. nothing Not a single bit of financial yeah. Edification in primary, secondary education. Like, they don't, it's not part of the curriculum. And if they did, it would be like invest in bitcoins. Like, that's right. what they would say. <laughs> That'd be the level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and hope. Pull and pray. So yeah. I get through. So, I, so I'm in college and I find out I'm like, holy cow. Like, I grew up in this working class, like, family where all you, you go to work, you earn money, and you come home, and that's it. Right. And uh, I wanted more. So I thought, well, I go to college, I'm good at math. And I'm interested in investments, mm-hmm. so why not just go to school for investments and go invest yeah. money, and I'll probably be wealthy and do really well. Right. Well, I learned very quickly those are not my people. <laughs> They're not the kind of people that I like to hang out with. Right. They're not. They don't share similar philosophies as I do about life, or and definitely not um, similar social agendas. Or mm-hmm. just being good people. There are a lot of good people that work in the investment world. Um, I certainly understand the direction you're going and the fact that, you know, the greed is really absurd and the asymm- asymmetry of wealth balance in this world is really absurd. And I've grown up into believing that I prefer to be with people that were raised like me and worked hard. And yeah weren't given anything and it just doesn't happen to be that place i learned a lot of that just my social agenda didn't align with theirs and i was just had a passion for food and beverage and i just Mm -hmm. wanted to go all in yeah and so you have i have now how long did it take you to get to this point where you wanted to i'm sure because i'm sure you always knew that you wanted to do your own thing so how long did it take you to build up to that point i launched my first brand in 2015, 14, 2014. And that was Hungry Brothers Food Truck. I left my day job, took my money, invested, opened a food truck, didn't know what I was doing on the culinary side, um, invited my brother and another guy into the partnership, and we created Hungry Brothers Food Truck. Still and going? Still going. Yeah. Still rocking. Every Getting year. geared up for spring? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bunbury. Taste of Cincinnati. I mean, like, these guys are at all of the big events. They drive to Columbus. These cats are huge. Like, they're doing yeah. big things. Awesome. I, I will say, too, they just started following me on Instagram. So Did they really? That. Congrats to good. you. Thank you so much. I feel like I've made it. A little Maggie Spice. <laughs> um, so that's your first foray. That was my first foray. And what I learned was at 31 and 35, respectively, my age and my brother's age, mm-hmm. he was still my big brother. Yeah. And he still beat me up. You know, <laughs> mentally or physically? Well, he didn't. He didn't physically emotionally. Me, but yeah, just <laughs> he was my big brother still. Yeah, of course. And this is business, and I don't need a big brother in business. Mm-hmm. And I want him to be successful, so I just stepped away. Yeah, do your thing, dude. I'm gonna be fine. And so I decided I was gonna go on my own. And those two guys are doing great, and they're doing good stuff. And um, and I had the opportunity to create a brand and uh, created the Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey brand. And um, have been fortunate enough to have met some of the best people in the industry along the way. 
and I'm so grateful and fortunate to be able to employ these these people. Yeah. I think our team deserves Rookie of the Year award, but we haven't even done anything yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> so really, I'm just pre, pre rookie. Yeah, yeah. pre rookie yeah. of the year. Yeah. We haven't even came out yet. Highly talented. We're hot prospects at training camp right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> but we've been the hot, hot prospects at training camp for over a year now. So, <laughs> so it feels like one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just on a personal note, your place is the the restaurant that I'm most excited about coming to fruition this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. I am. Not just because I know you, but, I mean, he look at me. I love biscuits. biscuits. And whiskey. <laughs> I don't know if I've met a single person in Tennessee that says, I do not like biscuits and whiskey. And if you do, they're not they're not good they're Christians. Not, they're not good Christians. <laughs> and you not, do not align yourself with from, them. And they moved down here from New Jersey. They're probably <laughs> from, like, northwestern Tennessee or something, right? Right. North- northwestern Tennessee. What even is northwestern Tennessee? Tennessee. That's a, that, those are mountains. <laughs> it's the Appalachian. No one cares. They don't even, yeah. Right, no. They don't know that they're called biscuits. They just eat them. No, northwestern Tennessee is nothing. There's literally nothing. Oh, wait, that's Dyersburg? Yes! Yeah. So I was trying to tell you, it's like they're not from Appalachia if they don't like biscuits. Northwestern Tennessee is Missouri. There's a, there's a pick sweet place. Where right. They, they cook collard greens <laughs> and the whole town smells for two months of yeah, year. Of collard greens. Yeah, that's yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, pre- I'm, I appreciate I appreciate your uh, excitement for the opening. Uh, we're excited as well. The biscuit trends happening all across the country. Mm. Um, like a good old friend Mark Twain said. When the world's ending, move to Cincinnati because they're 10 years behind everybody else. So here we are. I watched this biscuit trend grow up all across the country. Yeah. First place I saw it was Portland, Oregon. I had the pleasure of living there from 2002 to 2004. And uh, while there wasn't a present, uh, you know, biscuit brand present in Portland during my time there, my brother remained until 2013. So I spent my summers, you know, traveling to Portland and eating and drinking throughout Portland and traveling in the mountains and stuff. Nice. And um, was inspired to launch a biscuit brand. Yeah. And um, these biscuit brands are happening all over the place. And I just think the biscuit's a great medium. And also, I think it's a great fit for the culture. And I think it represents Cincinnati. Yeah. It's a culture. And, and the brand does as well. We, we, we built this brand, this Boomtown brand, based on, you know, kind of the grit and grind and hustle that it took for a family to say, you know what, fuck it. Let's go west and let's try to get rich. Like the Grapes of Wrath. Right. And yeah. do anything it takes. Billy might get dysentery. <laughs> right. Grandpa we, might die on the first might, night. We might break a yoke <laughs> this is all on a carriage. Trip. This is all on your trip to Portland, Oregon, right? The Oregon Trail. You know, you know a guy named a kid named Billy who died when you were on your way to Tommy got bit by a rattlesnake. Do you want to rest? Or not? Tommy was a young boy. Do you want Tommy to die? He had a heart of stone, and that was the first real decision I made as a child. There it is. (laughs) Like real hard decision. I was like, Tommy, I'm sorry. But for real though, (laughs) did 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 y'all ever get to play Oregon Trail? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such an inspiration. For I don't know the if brand you know this, too. PJ, but we're a solid five years older than you. Oh yeah. Well, we could have invented Oregon Trail. Well, I guess the only Tim reason I, I wrote it. Tim well, wrote the, the only code. reason I asked because like the first time I saw it, I think I was in fourth grade, and I knew you guys were about four or five years older. I didn't know if they were, you know, like. I had a Commodore 64, real floppy fucking discs. <laughs> Y'all kids with these three and a half inch hard things, that's not floppy. No one's had that in 10 years, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's good. Do yeah. it again. 
God, it's just like the Billy and Jimmy <laughs> Lee comment. I tell, I'm, I'm I think it's great. My it's, team. it's great. You're doing good. I'm talking to my team and I'm trying to coach them. And we're talking about the team dynamic and be back to back. And I'm like, we're like Billy and Jimmy Lee from Double Dragon. We're like Bill and Ted in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And they're not excited. They're like, okay. And they're just looking at me like, who is this fucking weirdo? (laughs) And I was like, we're like Shrek and Donkey. And they were like, ah, I get it. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, cantankerous Uh person is referencing childhood pop culture. But yours. Only (laughs) ours, really. Yeah. It is ours. Mm -hmm. So when is is Boomtown... When's the big day? We're slated for February twenty fourth. Cool. Um, as of as of this recording, that's a month away. That's a month away. Mm-hmm. And, and you're you're missing Valentine's Day by ten days. Thank God. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's, that's you don't want to have open table reservations. Totally the worst. We actually won't be taking any <laughs> reservations at all. Nice. All yeah. right. We'll do call head seating. Um, you know, traditional waitlist style, but we won't do any reservations. Yeah. We might cut this out, but are you not doing reservations because it's the whole style of going out west and That's that's <laughs> just kidding. That's Sorry, completely on that's completely on brand. That that's completely on brand and fucked up. We're not te- we're not telling that side of the story. Right <laughs> okay, that's the side that's the flip side where you're like, Really the fr- I'm just gonna it. and you can keep this in there. Really the gold rush was a tragedy. Oh, it was horrible. It really was. So they created these uh, these micro. Don't take or make reservations. I'm totally fine with that. Well, yeah, we're not we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay. We're not going to take or you make have reservations. Yeah, Tim's permission. <laughs> but the gold rush really was a tragedy, and we're not going to tell that part of the story. But you know, really, nobody made much money at all except for the makers, right? During the gold rush, the owners, Levi yeah. Strauss, for mm-hmm. example. Which I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Levi jeans are required uniform attire. For Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey. What up? Levi Strauss's family owned a retail company. Okay. And he finds himself in Coloma, California, and he's trying to sell some tents. And he's in a saloon. And this guy's like, man, I really wish you had some pants, man. These pants, they don't ever hold up out there on the mountain. You know, up there, we're painting for gold all day. Mm-hmm. Pants wearing out. We nobody's sl- no slack makers. Mm. So Levi Strauss decides he's going to fashion a pair of slacks out of his tent canopy. Yeah. Nobody's buying tents. Well, I'm going to make some pants. This guy needs pants. So he gives the guy the pants the next day. He's a prototype. Guy goes up on a mountain. He comes back down. He's like, how to work out? He's like, chafe me to hell and back, man. But I'll tell you what, they're strong. Mm-hmm. And there's Levi's jeans. There it is. Taking something that wasn't working and converting it into what the masses wanted. But Filling a need. sad yeah. part is... They are all dead. Everybody who... That's very sad, too. <laughs> but, but everybody who moved out there to actually pan for gold didn't make any money. They were just workers. Yeah. They're in these micro-markets where gold actually didn't have value. You go to the saloon, you had to get drunk at night. You were either celebrating right. your claim or you were drowning your sorrows. Mm-hmm. Either way, there was no cash exchange. It was a gold market. Right. You gold dust. It didn't. It was dust. That's it literally was yeah. dust. They used to make the prospectors shower naked in front of the claim foreman. Collect it. And they would collect the dust out of the gutters. Yeah. This, like, the gold rush was an awful, awful tragedy of stealing land from Native Americans and make, forcing slave trade. 
but we're going to celebrate the successes <laughs> and, and the food culture that came along with it. We we are paying, but the, you know we're not we're not turning a blind eye to it. No, we're paying you, you can't. Yeah, we're we're offering food that was um, relatively available during that time. Mm-hmm. We're staying true to ancient grains. We're using real food. We're not using uh, hydrogenated vegetable oil. Yeah, like we use lard. We use European sweet cream butter. We don't use margarine. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. real food. Yeah. We know where the proteins are coming from. And that's important to us because they did then. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly. Because they, they were they connected made themselves. to the land. Yeah. Because they made everything themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Let's Meet podcast. On our next episode, you'll learn more about PJ and less about music. For more information, please visit our website at letsmeetpodcast.com and please subscribe. Let's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Hello. Bonjour. Let's hey, meet. what you doing? Hey, hello. <laughs>